Chapter Thirty of Dawn. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Sunny. Dawn by Eleanor H. Porter. Chapter Thirty. Daniel Burton's Job. Dorothy came at ten, or to be strictly accurate, at five minutes past ten. The additional five minutes had been consumed by her going out of her way around the block so that she might see if Keith were visible in one of the McGuire's windows. He was visible, and when she went up the Burton Walk at five minutes past ten, her step was confident and her face eager, and there was about her manner none of the furtive nervous questioning that had marked her coming the day before. "'Good morning, Susan,' she began cheerily, as Susan answered her ring. "'Did Mr. Burton say he would see me?' he did and mr keith is over at the mcguire's all safe so you don't have to worry about him susan's eyes were still mutinous her voice still coldly disapproving yes i know he is nodded miss dorothy with a bright smile oh you do yes well that is uh, i under susan's uncompromising frigidity miss dorothy's stammering tongue came to a painful pause hm vouchsafed susan well come in and i'll tell mr daniel burton you're here the the emphasis on daniel was not lost was shown by the sudden broad smile that chased away the confusion on miss dorothy's face as susan led the way to the living-room two minutes later daniel burton thinner paler and more worn-looking than dorothy had ever seen him before entered the room and held out a cordial hand good morning miss dorothy i'm glad to see you he said what is it red cross y m c a smileage books the whimsical smile on his lips only served to emphasize the sombre pain in his eyes not any of them then susan didn't tell you not a word sit down please thank you then i shall have to begin at the beginning sighed the girl a little constrainedly as she took the chair he offered her i i have a certain project that i want to carry out mr burton and i want your help why of course certainly i shall be glad to i know daniel burton's hand had already reached for his check-book any project of yours miss dorothy how much do you want but miss dorothy lifted her hand palm outward thank you mr burton but not any in money just yet oh it'll take money probably to get it started before it's on a self-supporting basis i suppose but it isn't money i want to-day mr burton it it's yourself the man gave a short dry laugh not untinged with bitterness i'm afraid i can't endorse either your taste or your judgment here miss dorothy you've come for a poor sick i can't imagine myself as being much benefit to any sort of project however i shall be glad to hear about it of course what is it and miss dorothy told him with her eyes shining and her voice quivering with eagerness, she told the story as she had told Susan the afternoon before, but with even greater elaboration of detail. "'And so now, Mr. Burton, you—you you will help, won't you?' she begged in closing. "'Help? My dear girl, how?' "'Take charge. Be the head and shoulders, the backbone of the whole thing. Oh, yes, I know it's a whole lot to ask.' she hurried on as she saw the dawning dismay and refusal on his face but i thought for the sake of the cause the cause the man's voice was bitter as he interrupted her i'd crawl to france on my hands and knees if that would do any good 
but my dear young lady i'm an ignoramus and worse than an ignoramus when it comes to machinery i'll venture to wager that i wouldn't know the tape from the coils or whatever they are oh we'd have an engineer for that part of course interposed the girl eagerly and we want your son too you want keith pray do you expect him to teach how to wind coils no no not exactly though i think he will be teaching before he realizes it i want him to learn to wind them himself and thus get others to learn you don't understand mr burton i want you and keith to to do just what you did for john mcguire arouse interest and enthusiasm and get them to do it don't you see but that was keith not i in the case of john mcguire it was you at the last corrected the girl gently mr burton john mcguire wouldn't have any book out this spring if it weren't for you and your eyes mm-hmm perhaps not still there'd have been a way probably but even if i grant that all you say in the case of john mcguire that isn't winding armatures or whatever they are mr burton you aren't going to refuse pleaded the girl what else can i do miss dorothy you don't want to stamp this project of yours a failure from the start do you words voice manner and gesture were unmistakable all the longing and heartache and bitterness of the years of fruitless effort and final disappointment pulsated through that one word failure for a moment nobody spoke daniel burton had got to his feet and crossed the room to the window the girl watching him with compassionate eyes as he stood looking out had caught her breath with a little choking sigh suddenly she lifted her head resolutely mr burton you've got one gift that that i don't believe you realize at all you possess like john mcguire you make folks see what you are talking about perhaps it's because you can paint pictures with a brush or or perhaps it's because you've got such a wonderful command of words miss dorothy stumbled a little precipitately into this sentence she had not failed to see the disdainful movement of the man's head and shoulders at the mention of his pictures whatever it is she hurried on you've got it i saw it first years ago with with your son when i used to see him at father's he would sit and talk to me by the hour about the woods and the fields and the mountains and sunsets and flowers back home and little by little i found out that they were the pictures you drew for him on the canvas of his soul you've done it again now for john mcguire do you suppose you could have caught those wonderful stories of his with your pencil if you hadn't been able to help him visualize them for himself you and keith together with your wonderful enthusiasm and interest i know you couldn't and that's why i want you now for you and your son because he's blind and knows and understands as no seeing person can know and understand they will trust him they will follow where he leads but behind him has got to be you you've got to be the eyes for for them all not to teach the work we'll have others for that any good mechanic will do for that part but it's the other part of it the soul of the thing these men lots of them are but little more than boys big strong strapping fellows with the whole of life before them and they are blind whichever way they turn a big black curtain shuts them in and it's those four black curtains that i want you to paint i want you to give them something to look at something to think of something to live for and you can do it 
and when you've done it you'll find they're the best and the biggest pictures you ever painted her voice broke with the last word and choked into silence over at the window the man stood motionless one minute two minutes passed then a bit abruptly he turned crossed the room to the girl's side and held out his hand miss dorothy i'll take the job he said he spoke lightly and he smiled as he said the words but neither the smile nor the lightness of his manner quite hid the shake in his voice nor the moisture in his eyes thank you mr burton i was sure you would cried the girl and now for keith he's over at the mcguire's i'll get him explained the man boyishly but miss dorothy was instantly on her feet no no please she begged a little breathlessly i'd rather you didn't now i i think we'd better get a little farther along before we tell him there's a whole lot to do you know getting the room and the materials and the superintendent and all that and there isn't a thing he can do yet all right very good perhaps that would be better nodded the man but let me tell you i already have some workers for your project you mean jack green here in town no oh we'd want him of course but it's some others a couple of boys from hillsboro i had a letter yesterday from the father of one of the boys asking what to do with his son he thought because of of keith that i could help him it was a pitiful letter the man was heartbroken and utterly at sea his boy only nineteen had come home blind and well-nigh crazed with the tragedy of it and the father didn't know which way to turn that's why he'd appealed to me you see on account of keith yes i understand said the girl gently as the man left his sentence unfinished i've had others too several of them in the last few weeks if you'll wait i'll get the letters he was already halfway to the door it may take a minute or two to look them up but but they'll be worth it i think of course they will she cried eagerly they'll be just exactly what we want and i'm not in a bit of a hurry she finished dropping back in her chair as the door closed behind him alone she looked over the room her eyes wistful brimming with unshed tears over by the window was keith's chair before at the table with a half-completed picture puzzle spread upon it near the table was a set of shelves containing other picture puzzles games and books all as the girl well knew especially designed and constructed for eyes that could not see she had risen to her feet and half started to cross the room towards the table when the door to the side hall opened and keith burton entered the room with a half stifled gasp the girl stepped back to her chair the blind boy stopped instantly his face turned toward her is that you susan the girl wet her lips but no words came who's there please he spoke sharply this time as everybody knew who knew keith the one thing that angered him more than anything else was the attempted deception as to one's presence in the room miss dorothy gave a confused little laugh and put her hand to her throat why keith it's only i don't look so you for one brief moment his face lighted up as with a hidden flame then instantly it changed it became like the gray of ashes after the flame is spent why didn't you speak then he questioned it did no good to keep quiet you mustn't forget that i have ears i haven't eyes nonsense keith she laughed again confusedly through her own face had paled a little i did speak as soon as i caught my breath popping in on a body like that but i didn't know you were here stammered the young fellow uncertainly nobody called me i beg your pardon if he came to a helpless pause not a bit of it you needn't it wasn't necessary at all 
The girl tossed off the words with a lightness so forced that it was almost flippancy. "'You see, I didn't come to see you at all. It was your father.' "'My father?' "'Certainly.' "'But, but, does he know?' The girl laughed merrily, too merrily for sincerity. "'No, indeed he does. We've just been having a lovely talk. He's gone upstairs for some letters. He's coming right back. Right back. Oh, oh!' Was it an indefinable something in her voice, or was it the repetition of the last two words? Whatever it was that caused it, Keith turned away with a jerk, walked with the swift sureness of long familiarity straight to the set of shelves, and took down a book. "'Then I'll not disturb you any further, as long as you're not needing me,' he said tersely. "'I only came for this.' And with barely a touch of his cane to the floor and door-casing, he strode from the room. The pity of it! that he could not have seen Dorothy Parkman's eyes looking after him. End of chapter 30 Recording by Sunny